Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by community pastor Ian Simkins as we begin a brand new series, Moving Mountains. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Good morning, everyone. That was maybe the grooviest bumper video we've had in a while, huh? Like, I felt like dancing. I'll spare you that. I won't. Um, My name is Ian, though, and I'm just thrilled that you are here. I'm thrilled to be with you. Uh, We're beginning a series today about prayer So I thought it would be fitting to begin with prayer, if that's okay. Uh, So let's go before God. I'm going to pray, and then we'll uh, we'll dive right in. God, thank you, first and foremost, for the gift of one more day. Uh, We know that everything that we have is a gift. The breath in our lungs right now is a gift. Warm buildings to meet in, warm cars to drive. God, I'm so grateful to be with friends and family this morning. I pray, God, that you would do what only you can do, that you give us not only ears to hear, but hearts to understand and the courage to live differently. God, make us more aware of your presence at work right in our very midst. And I ask God that you would do something incredible. We thank you and we love you. And we pray all these things in the beautiful healing name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Uh, how many of you, show of hands, have something in your life that you're concerned about? Just, okay, look around. Those not raising their hands, we have a word for them. They're called liars. Um, <laughs> in the Bible. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so maybe not just concern, though. Who's got something that's, like, really big, like like mountain-sized big, like the kind of thing that when you really allow yourself to think about it, you step back and you look at it and you think, nah. Like, it's, it's such a big obstacle, such a massive concern that you really maybe don't even think all that much about it. It could be maybe a, a relational mountain, maybe like a marriage that's on the rocks or a friendship that seems to be unraveling. Maybe it's a, a work-related mountain. Maybe like stuff at your job is really tough. Maybe you're, you're out of work entirely. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a financial mountain. You just have this massive like, mountain of debt or the bills just seem to keep coming. You know, they come every month. It's ridiculous. Just bill after bill after bill. Maybe it's a physical mountain. Maybe you or someone you know just... Recently got a diagnosis that has like rattled your world. Maybe it's a spiritual mountain. Maybe it's you just find yourself with more and more questions, more and more doubt, wondering, is there really a God? If there is, does he see me? Can he, can he do anything about it? Now, if you're here this morning and you're thinking like, nope, nah, none of those are me. No, like your biggest concern is uh, who's going to win the Super Bowl tonight. Would you just stand where you're at so we can marvel at your life? Um, <laughs> Great, excellent. <laughs> but for the rest of us humans, um, whatever, whatever that mountain is in your life, I, I want to first say that I get it. I get it. Uh, I have those mountains too. And, and not like past tense. I, I have them right now. I think we all face things in our life that leave us feeling kind of powerless. And so I want to ask you a, a question this morning. And the question is this. When it comes to that mountain... Are you praying about it? Not have you prayed about it, but are you praying about it now? Because here's what I know to be true in my life. So often, when it comes to those big, massive concerns in my life, I spend way more time worrying about and complaining about than I do praying about. Anyone know what I'm talking about? If I were to add up the time spent 
Worry and complaining often would far outweigh the time that I actually spent going before God in prayer. Maybe, maybe you can relate. So why is that? Why, why is it that that imbalance seems so present in so many of our lives? Why, why do we avoid prayer? Well, I have a, a couple of guesses here, a few excuses um, that I sometimes hear. The first is this. Uh, I prayed before and nothing happened. Anyone felt that way before? Yeah, I gave it a shot, um, but that relationship still ended. That person still passed away. That friend still won't talk to me. I tried it. Nothing happened. No thanks. Maybe, maybe you've thought this before. I'm not sure I really believe in prayer. Like we know in some sense that like prayer is kind of a part of the whole Christian package, Right? But it's so mysterious, and maybe it's sort of like, how could me saying some words actually have any impact at all? Maybe deep down it's a belief that, like, even if I do pray, does God actually have the power to do anything about it? Maybe you've thought this in your life somewhere. God has more important things to do, right? Like in a world of war and injustice and poverty, like, does God really have the time to be worried about me and, and my concerns. Maybe yours is one of those. Maybe your reason, your excuse is something totally different. Either way, though, I think ultimately that it's easy for us to forget that prayer is an invitation. Prayer is an invitation. We're not unwanted house guests in God's house. You know, like the, the friend that you have over to the house that like doesn't get the hint that the night is over? Don't, don't point, but anyone have that friend, right? Like your eyes are starting to close and they're like, let's talk about other things. And you get, like, get the vacuum out and you're vacuuming around them. And they're like, let's chat forever. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't. Maybe, maybe don't say it, but I think a lot of us feel that way in our relationship with God. Like, I don't want to bother you. I know you got a lot going on right now. You are the king of the universe, right? I think we need to remember first and foremost that prayer is an invitation that God extends to all of us, that he, he wants to be in relationship with us. Whatever the reason, whether it's one of those or something else, today and for this series, I, I wanna challenge us to move beyond the excuses. Whatever that excuse is in your heart, in your mind, whatever you've been telling yourself, whatever you've been telling others, whatever you've even been telling God, I want us to move beyond excuses. So to start off, I wanna begin with a story and uh, we're gonna pick it up in Matthew 17. And here's kind of the context of this story. Uh, there's a father who has a son who's been experiencing these like insanely violent seizures, right? So violent that it's actually causing harm to the child. So the dad is distraught. And I, th- I think it's easy with stories like this to sort of glaze past the humanity of what's going on because we kind of see where things are going. But can we just like enter into the pain of this father for a moment? Even if you're not a parent, can you imagine having a child who's having repeated multiple seizures that he can't control that's harming his physical body? Like, what kind of anguish would you feel as a parent watching your child go through that? So that's, that's sort of the dad's mental state. And in this scene, he throws himself at the feet of Jesus and he just begs for his help. He says, here's the situation. My son has these seizures. In fact, I brought him already to your disciples and they weren't able to do anything. So he's, he's like 
trying anything, as many of us would. And he throws himself at the feet of Jesus. He's on his hands and knees in the dirt. And he says, I tried through the disciples. They couldn't do anything. Please help me. So Jesus immediately recognizes the, the evil that's at work in this boy's body. And so what does he do? He straight up rebukes this demon. The demon leaves instantly. And the boy is transformed in a moment. So what would that have been like? Let's just say you're in the crowd watching this scene unfold, right? This, this kid is in anguish and pain. This father's maybe weeping. Jesus rebukes a demon and instantly there's a change in the boy's life. I, I imagine that would be pretty incredible to see live. So the, the boy and the father are thrilled. They're pumped. But the disciples, though, at this point are like a little confused. In fact, they... They pulled Jesus aside and they're like, what's up with that, man? Like, how come you could heal him, but we couldn't heal him? Why were you able to do it and we couldn't? And here's how Jesus responds. He says, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Wow. I mean, that's a response, right? So, so he makes this comparison of a mustard seed. Anyone here ever seen a mustard seed before? Yeah, here's, here's a picture of it just for reference. It is teeny tiny, even by like seed standards. Like we need to blow it up just so that you in the back could see it. Like it is small. It's tiny. Now often this is like the part of the message where the preacher says something like, even small faith can make big things happen, which is totally true. That's part of it, but I think it's, I think it's only part of it. In fact, um, in the days before the Roman Empire, the mustard seed was also known for its fiery potency. Its fiery potency. There's one story in particular that I love. Uh, Darius, king of Persia, was uh, invading Europe, and he encounters Alexander the Great. And as a taunt, Darius sends to Alexander uh, this big bag of sesame seeds as a way of kind of illustrating uh, how massive his army was. He's taunting him. He's trolling him. He's like, yeah, this is, this is just a sampling. Alexander then sends back another bag of seeds, but not sesame seeds. He sends a bag of mustard seeds with a note attached. And the note reads, you may be many, but we are powerful. We can handle you. And then he dropped the mic right there in front of everyone, right? <laughs> if you know anything about history, they most certainly handled them. You may be many, but we are powerful. We can handle you. In fact, a first century Jewish audience would be very familiar with the mustard seed, but for a unique reason. The, the Jews had very uh, specific rules and laws about how to keep like a nice orderly garden. And in fact, Jewish law forbade the planting of a mustard seed in a Jewish garden. So for Jesus to reference this little seed actually would have been a little bit scandalous. And the reason I think is brilliant. The reason that Jewish law forbade the planting of a mustard seed in a garden was because it took over. A mustard seed was known kind of like as a weed, like it would really mess up the nice, orderly, tidy gardens. Planting a mustard seed often messes up nice, orderly, tidy gardens 
gardens. Are you tracking with me? In some sense, what I believe Jesus is saying is you've existed in this nice, orderly, tidy system and the kingdom of God is way bigger and way more powerful than you could ever dream or imagine. Could maybe some of us use some of our nice, orderly, tidy categories get a little disrupted, get a little messy. Some of us already know that sometimes faith will lead to those types of places where maybe you didn't imagine that you'd be here in this place doing these things, but God has plans for all of us. But it starts with faith the size of a mustard seed, right? Maybe we could say it this way this morning. It's not the strength of our faith that matters most, but the object. It's not the strength of my faith that matters most, but the object, like choosing to sit on a chair, right? Actually, really ultimately doesn't matter how much I believe in the chair. What matters is the strength of that chair. Can it hold this body, right? Will it hold the weight? Maybe another way to say it this morning is this. It's not about mustering faith. It's about mustard seed faith. You see what I did there? (laughs) So often what I think happens is we hear talks like this and we leave with this sense of like, all right, I just got to like white knuckle, pull myself up by my boots. I got to try harder. Anyone ever like left a service feeling that way? I just gotta go and I just gotta be better. And sometimes, like definitely, maybe that's part of it that we we really need to maybe put more effort or more energy behind something, behind an idea. But what I think Jesus is saying here is like, man, if if you could just give me just this, just start with that of actually trusting me, actually taking me at my word, actually believing I am who I say that I am and that I can do what I can say, what I say that I can do. Just start, start with that. Start with just a, a mustard seed of faith and watch it take over. The invitation for us is to put our faith in him to trust him fully, and prayer helps us do that. In fact, in a, uh, a different gospel account of this same situation, um, the gospel writer Mark records Jesus' response as this. He says, this kind can only come out um, by prayer and fasting. This kind can come out only by prayer and fasting. So he's, he's talking about this specific demon that he cast out, which I didn't really realize there was different categories like that. But his response to the disciples when asked, okay, so what was up with that? How come, how come you could and we couldn't? He says, oh, this, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. It's, it's about being saturated in the presence of God to face these challenges. So at this point, you might be thinking, okay, well, if, if we don't really know how God's going to respond in any given situation, then, then why bother, Right? Why bother to pray at all? Which I think is a really valid question. And uh, I have two brief responses. The first is this. The prayer moves God. Prayer moves God. Now, it doesn't change the character of God, but I, I believe that there's, there's something mysterious that happens when we pray that mobilizes the power of God in our lives and in the world. We don't always know when or how God's going to move but we know that he does. For example, the prophet Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain, and for three and a half years, it didn't rain. King Hezekiah 
was on his deathbed and prayed to God, and God gave him 15 more years. Daniel, who was thrown into the pit of lions, prayed that the mouths of the lions who were there to devour him would be shut, and they were. Jesus prayed, and Lazarus rose from the dead, walked out of a stone-cold tomb. In fact, over 30 times in the Old Testament alone, the text reads that God was moved to act by the prayers of his people. God was moved to act by the prayers of his people. I think that has massive implications. We, we pray to move things, to partner with the one who invades reality, who can create real change. But not only does prayer move God, I believe that prayer also moves us. Prayer changes us. Prayer does something, not just sort of in a ethereal, spiritual sense, but it actually even affects our physiology. Check this out. Uh, in his book, How God Changes Your Brain, neuroscientist Andrew Newberg says that not only does prayer reduce stress and anxiety, but 12 minutes of meditation a day could actually slow the aging process. So essentially by not praying, you're taking years off your life, is what I'm saying. That's... I'm kidding. (laughs) But scientists are finding somehow that it's not just this nebulous, ethereal, spiritual reality, but that by doing what God actually invites us to do, it affects our actual physicality, our neurology. That's amazing to me that what God has already invited us to do would have effects in the here and now, in our physical bodies. One of Jesus' closest friends so believed in the power of prayer that he he wrote these words. He says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's amazing. The God of the universe actually hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. That, I think, is remarkable. It means that Over time, through prayer, there's this mysterious alignment between my heart and God's heart. My will, over time, becomes more aligned with His will. What I want becomes what He wants. Has anyone had that experience before? If you, especially if you maybe came to faith later in life, I remember when I like really encountered Jesus. I had gone to church my whole life, but it wasn't until like my late teens that I really felt like the Holy Spirit got a hold of my heart. I'll be honest. I was kind of baffled by some of the stuff that I wanted to do now. It was a little unnerving. I was like, wait a minute. I actually want to read my Bible now. What's happening? Like, like I want to serve people. I want to be generous. I've never wanted to be generous. What is going on? It's not like flipping a switch. But prayer has this way of aligning our hearts with God so that our will becomes more like his. The prophet Jeremiah actually says that he takes our, our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. It's not, it's not hocus pocus. It's not just a magic wand. But over time, and many of you already know this to be true, that by consistently going before him, and he, he does something in us. Changes the way we measure success. It changes the way that we see people. It changes the way that we live in our families and our neighborhoods. Now, some of you might be thinking, okay, well, yeah, that kind of takes the umph out of the passage, though, right? Like, I want to pray for a Corvette now. 
which I wouldn't recommend in the snow. But like, that's how a lot of us read that. Like, but I want what I want now. But can, can I level with you for a second? Does, like, does anyone here, when you look back in your life and maybe something that you prayed for in the past, uh, do you now have some gratitude that God didn't answer that prayer? Right? Like maybe a job you really wanted that you're like, that would not have been a good fit. Or maybe like a relationship that you prayed for that you're like, man, dodge that bullet. Whew. Or maybe you were like thinking about starting to watch The Bachelor and the power went out or something. Or <laughs> maybe you th- thought about being a Patriots fan. I don't know. I didn't say anything. No. What I'm saying is this. So the prayer has a way of moving us closer and closer to God, which is to, to move us closer and closer to who he actually made us to be. And ultimately, isn't that what we all want? To, to not, not in just some general sense be closer to God, but to be more and more fully who he made us to be. There's a, a pastor named Eugene Peterson I think he puts it brilliantly. He said, only in prayer can we escape the distortions and constrictions of the self and enter the truth and expansiveness of God. Only in prayer can we together, the body, the family, escape the distortions and constrictions of the self and enter the truth and expansiveness of God. I'll be honest with you. I've lived with a lot of distortions in my life. Distortions about how I see myself, how I see others, how I see God. And there's, there's not a month that goes by that I, I don't still feel God chipping away at that. Like a, like a sculptor, like a gardener. He's, he's weeding. It's not just an overnight moment. But I can tell you, though, not after having followed Jesus for some time, I got a long way to go. But I can look back at specific instances where he is allowing me more and more to escape the distortions and constrictions, the things that distort the way that I see myself and others and that hold me back from being fully who I am. And the expansiveness of God is a remarkable thing to behold. To be made more and more aware that God is at work in ways I never would have dreamt or imagined. As my will becomes more aligned with his, as my heart draws closer to his, it's it's not perfect and I make mistakes all the time. I believe that God wants to move us to a place of healing and restoration and grace and mercy, not just for ourselves, but for our world, for every person that we would ever encounter. So let me ask you again, what, what is that mountain in your life? What's that thing when you close your eyes and you think about it, you think, man, it's just too big. It's been there too long. I see in front of you, there's this perforated card. I want to invite you to, to take that out. And um, I'm going to issue a, a two-part challenge that I hope will be really meaningful for us this morning. The first is I want you to actually write down what that mountain is. Write it down twice on both sides of this perforation. It could be a word. It could be a phrase. It could, it could be a picture if you want it to be. But what is that thing, that mountain maybe causes you fear or doubt or you just avoid altogether. We're gonna commit together as a family for the rest of this series, 21 days straight, to pray every single day for that mountain. Every day. 
that we could know every single day. I mean, look at this room. That's a lot of prayer. <laughs> to commit to saying, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not content anymore with letting my worry and complaining far outweigh how much I go before God in prayer for this thing. And that changes today. Man, what, would that, what would that look like in our life? In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to tear this in half and we're gonna give you a challenge. Take one half of this with your prayer. Keep it for yourself. Put it somewhere that you'll see it. In a couple minutes when we celebrate communion together, I'm gonna invite you to take that prayer and to place it in one of these walls. You can see already from the first service, filling this up with the mountains that we're trusting God with. The second challenge is one that might be tough. I challenge all of us though, for these next 21 days, to join us in a challenge of prayer and fasting. To pray and fast. And fasting, maybe for you, is something that you've only ever heard in churches. It's simply just denying your body that which it needs, in this case, food in some capacity. And using that time, that meal time, as a way of drawing ourselves closer to God. I remember a mentor planning this deep in my heart. Being faced with a big decision and asking, well, have you fasted about it? And I said, why would I do that? He says, because it's all over the Bible. There's a lot of different ways to do this. There's a, a, a fasting card in the, uh, in the seats in front of you as well. I encourage you to take that with you. That'll help provide some context for what it is that we're talking about, what it looks like to actually fast, to go before God. I want to challenge you to join me for these next 21 days, though, of taking seriously what it, what it means to actually trust God with our mountains. to actually trust him with them. Because remember, Jesus says there is this mysterious relationship between our mountains and prayer and fasting. What would it look like a year from now for us to sit in this room and to tell the stories of those mountains and those mountains that God did something miraculous in our life with? Some maybe were answered in ways that we never would have expected. But can you, can you imagine what that would be like look back and say like man I, I don't know that I have any power of my own to do anything about that I'm going to trust that God can let's boldly go to God and ask him to do what only he can do because he's invited us to do it let's pray God thank you that regardless of whatever mountain we're facing, you're, you're already there in the midst of it. Whatever we wrote down or are gonna write down, you already know. God, in some sense, that's really scary, but I think in a much greater sense, that is so freeing. You're aware of what plagues our mind. You're aware of what keeps us up at night. You're aware of the worries and fears that crush us. Today, God, we say no more. We say, I'm trusting you with this, God. May you do what only you can do. We thank you. And we love you for being a mountain-moving God. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen.